Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Uh, welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was, uh, for all of you who are visiting our miles, Pastor Rock, welcome to church today. Uh, a lot has happened since I preached here three or four weeks ago. Went to Israel September 26th, 7th, and got back last Saturday night and came here and gave a little introduction last Sunday that I'll elaborate on today. And then went back into the back room last Sunday and crashed. I had COVID all week, was in the bed, uh, dying, and my wife healed me back together. <laughs> I don't know if you follow my Instagram, but I had a video of her bringing my medicine every two hours, and she was bringing me potions and lotions and pills and, and creams and drips and drops and uh, smoke and voodoo dolls and everything. And she said, you're going to get back in that pulpit Sunday. <laughs> no, she, uh, she, she, I think she's coming back to the bedroom tonight. Is that right, baby? <laughs> I've been up there all by myself all this time. You know, us guys are wimps when we get sick. Um, um, Today I'm going to share uh, some thoughts about what's happening in the Middle East, and then we're going to pray. Um, my wife and I were talking this morning about what's going on over there. And uh, last week when I mentioned it, a lot of people didn't even know what was going on over there. So uh, there's a war in Israel, and there are a lot of people who are dying. It started out with Hamas. Um, killing about 1,200 people, and then Israel are retaliating, which they are still retaliating, and um, I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about all that, and we just want to say as a church that our heart goes out to all the people um, in Israel who were killed and all the people in Palestine who are being killed. It is a heart-wrenching situation, and uh, my prayer today is that you would look to God. A lot of times people will say, well, I, I'm supporting Israel, I'm supporting the Palestinians. Um, that may be true, but it's the way people go about things is not always the way we want people to go about, way about, people go about things. I wish there was a better way to um, eliminate Hamas. It is breaking my heart to see what's happening to the Palestinians uh, in Gaza. Uh, we, were the, we didn't go to Gaza, but we were just over there. And so um, I just want to express, I know people are feeling like, how do you, what are we supposed to feel? Feel whatever way you're feeling. War is ugly. It is evil. It is painful. I see those little kids um, on both sides of the border, lives being destroyed, and it's heartbreaking. And so my prayer is that today, you would just get a little glimpse of some of the things that we realized when we went there, how complicated it is. And, and that you would have more clarity on how to pray. Because what's happening, only God can fix. There is no military action. There is no military action. There's no governmental action. There will be a, prince, there will be a man of peace, the Antichrist, who will come to claim to have a fix. And there will be peace for a little while, and then he will show his true color. And so as believers, we have to always step back and go, my allegiance is to God. And I'm gonna trust God, and I'm gonna look to God, and he's gonna guide me on how to love all involved, 
and how to pray for his supernatural intervention. And that we don't just blindly say, you know, you guys are right, you guys are wrong, because that is not wise. Are y'all following me? And so I want to ask y'all to pray and then we'll go. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, I can't imagine being in the middle of all that. I can't imagine watching my family be killed, kidnapped, beheaded, burned, blown to pieces. But this is exactly what the devil's all about. And we flirt with the devil every day and we think it's a joke. But now we get to see how serious and evil he really is. So I pray as believers, we would keep our eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. We don't have to know all the answers. We will never know all the answers. And I pray that you would enlighten us today, encourage us today. Give the leaders in the Middle East and around the world wisdom on how to address this situation, minimize and eliminate civilian casualties. We pray you give them wisdom, discernment, miraculous breakthrough that they may be peace. And may we over here on our side continue to pray for peace, but also that we regard our tongues, guard our judgment, and that we would stay grounded in our faith in the Lord and be a source of encouragement and light and unity to the people in our world. Jews, the Palestines, black, whites, Mexicans, Hispanics, all the people that comprise our world, that we would be a light and not a source of division. Satan is about division. He is about confusion. He is about complication. May we recognize that and not feel that if we have an argument better than someone else's argument, we are right. No. We must stay humble before God and represent the God of the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Give someone next to you a high five. Amen. Please turn to, <laughs> please turn to Genesis chapter 12, and I'll get there in a few minutes. A few years ago, uh, five years ago or so, man, going by so quick, four or five years ago, a man named George Floyd was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis. And I had just written a book called The Third Option. Everyone say Third Option. And The Third Option was a book designed to bring racial reconciliation. It still is being used today. We have a training that we do. Matter of fact, I'm going to speak to the International Police Chiefs Conference this week about it. And during that time, everyone felt like we were in an us versus them culture. You were either on one side or the other. You were for or against the police. By the way, my father was a cop for 33 years in New York City. My son is a police officer here in San Diego. You were either for or against the police. You were for or against Black Lives Matter. You were for or against you know, Republican, Democrats, CNN, Fox. And you felt like you had to choose one side or the other. 
And that's how it's like now. What side are you going to be on on this issue um, in the Middle East? The third option is that we honor what we have in common. Is that every single one of us are more similar than different. Um, We are all equally human. Can I get amen? None of you are less human. You may act less human. You may smell less human. But you're not less human. I was in a prison talking and I uh, ended up going talking to a white supremacist who was walking around the yard and I went up and talked to him and we had a very brief conversation and what I told him was, Jesus is looking for you. He got like this close to me when I called him over. He just walked right up to me and I, I said, Jesus is looking for you. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I, you know, I don't know. You got, you got to deal with that. He's just looking for you. And what I was appealing to, the fact that he's made in the image of God. Whether he hates me or not, don't matter. He was made in the image of God and his soul has to respond to the name of Jesus. Now, the other reality about him and I, we're 99.5% genetically identical. We both need sleep, family, food, all that kind of stuff. We have more things in common than different. And so that was the book, what, what the book was about. What I want to appeal to you today is that our third option is God. What I want to talk to you about is my trip when I went to Israel. I just got back. Matter of fact, the war started at 6.30 a.m. last Saturday. We were getting on the plane at 6.30 a.m. Our plane took off at 7 a.m. And there was a lady on the plane, walking on the plane, reading her phone saying, we're being bombed as we were getting on the plane. And we took off, as we took off, the plane took a sharp turn, right turn, I don't know why, but we just barely got out. Um, And so I want to talk to you about our experience because when I was there, which is ironic God's timing, now looking back on seeing what's happening, my mind was blown on one main thing. It is a place of mass confusion. And what you think you know, us living here, and what is there is so different. And my goal is not to get you to pick one side or the other. My goal is to help you understand the need to pray to God. (laughs) Because Jerusalem is a city that is the apple of God's eye. And he called it into existence for a reason. And the devil knows that. And so we're going to talk about (laughs) the obvious reason there is so much confusion there what God has called into existence, why he has called into existence, and then what we should do as believers. Because whether we realize it or not, our faith is grounded in the Old Testament. Without the Old Testament, there is no New Testament. And that's something we're going to have to learn over time, how to understand your New Testament in light of the Old Testament. I'll allude to a little bit some of that today. Um, uh, but over time, we'll have to learn that and how we are related <laughs> spiritually um, to the Old Testament and to Israel. Number one, covenant nation. God created a covenant nation. Everyone say covenant nation. There is only one nation in the world that God has ever called into existence for the purpose of bringing peace into the world, and that is the nation of Israel. I'm going to say that two more times, and this is just a fact in the Bible. There's one nation in the world that God says, I'm going to call this nation into the world for my purpose. I have a people, I have a place, I have a culture, 
I'm going to give them laws and I'm going to, out of that, birth a savior. That is a fact. Now, you have to understand something. Whenever God says something's important to him, the devil says it's going to be important to him. If you, ever, if you remember as a kid when, when your mother, when, 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 when your sibling said, this is my toy, my favorite toy, well, the other sibling said, no, it's my favorite toy. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and of in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, we're going to read this another time, but I want you to imagine this guy named Abraham lived in Ur of the Chaldeans and he moved to a place called Haran. His father died. And then from there, God said, I'm calling you to a place that I will show you and I'm going to make your name great. And out of you, I'm going to create a great nation. And from your nation, the whole world is going to be blessed from your nation I am going to bring peace to the world. There is going to be something come out of your nation. Abraham didn't know what that was. He didn't know where he was going. And he just started walking by faith. Abraham is the father of faith. Say father of faith. Not only is he the father of faith because of what he did in, in, in obedience to this commandment, but the faiths and religions that have come out of his body, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But God called Abraham and said, Abraham, I have a plan for you because I need to bring peace to the world and I'm choosing you and from you is going to become a great nation and out of that nation is going to come something, Jesus, that's going to bring peace to the world. And whoever curses you, curses you. And whoever blesses you is going to be blessed. Whoever curses you is going to be cursed. This is something God said that man can't stop, man can't get in the way. Now, does it, and, and, and not only did he, did, he, did he say he was going to do that, but he says, I'm going to give you a land that I am going to deed to you. And he affirmed that to his son Isaac. Everyone say Isaac. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 3 to 4, he affirmed that commitment to Isaac. Genesis chapter 35, 11, he affirmed it to Jacob. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. And then he affirmed it to Moses. And all throughout the Old Testament, he affirmed I am going to fulfill my promise to you, Abraham. But the land is not going to be yours. It's going to be mine. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23. They won't be on the screen. They don't have that. The land shall not be sold permanently. God said, the land is mine. God has an eternal plan for that land. And what you're seeing on TV is politics. What you're seeing on TV is military and all that kind of stuff. That's over here. God has a plan for that land. He has a plan for those people. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 28, then you will live in the land and I, that I gave to your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. Now, he didn't give it to them because they were great. He didn't give it to them because they were smart. He gave it to them just because he made a promise. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse seven to eight, the Lord did not set his affection on you or choose you because you were more numerous than other people for you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept his oath, he swore to your ancestors and, and he brought you out of, with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of the, of the king of Egypt. So Abraham, everyone say Abraham. Abraham, God called Abraham to that land. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation and you are going to bless the earth. It is very important for us to understand the biblical foundation of what God told Abraham. 
Because over the thousands of years since then, there's been a lot of maturations of different uh, uh, governments and battles and wars and treaties and everything. But God made a promise. And God made a promise not only to them, but to us and to the world that I'm going to bring peace to the world. Now, Abraham at first couldn't have any kids. So his wife said to him, um, Abraham, uh, I know I, I can't have any kids. I'm old. Why don't you have a baby with my maid, Hagar? So fellas, just listen to what I'm saying now. So his wife said, I can't have a kid, so you can have a kid through my, wife, through my maid. And Abraham said, okay. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> true story. So Abraham, it, it's true. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, babe. It's in the Bible. <laughs> I know, it's in the Bible. I'm just saying, it. it's in the Bible. <laughs> so Abraham he obeys his wife. <laughs> they have a son named Ishmael. Everyone say Ishmael. They have a son named Ishmael, and obviously Sarah, his wife, and Hagar, the maid, once the baby's born, they have conflict. And they send Ishmael and Hagar away. And then later, Abraham and Sarai have Isaac. Genesis chapter 21, verse 2 to 5. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time of which God spoke to him, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old and as God commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So now I want you to track with me because I'm going someplace here. You got Abraham, Ishmael from Hagar, Isaac from Sarah. Ishmael was his son of the flesh. In other words, he didn't trust God would give him a son through his wife, so he went to the maid. Ishmael ended up moving to Paran, which is Arabia, and his descendants are the Arabs. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, all the Jews. So all the Jews and all the Arabs are cousins. What we are watching is a family feud. What you are watching is a family feud. And I'm going to explain to you even how it even gets even more deep. All the Arabs would say they were sons of Abraham through Ishmael. The Jews would say they were sons of through, um, Abraham through Isaac. When we were on our bus for 10 days in Israel, our guide is Jewish. He was not saved. He was a Jewish guide. And he was telling us all, all the sights. And our bus driver was Arab. And he was Muslim. And I'm looking at these two guys. I'm sitting in the front row, you know, right, right near them the whole time. And I'm looking at these two guys are cousins. But yet in culture, they're so divided. And whenever you hear Palestinian, which is a, a group of Arabs, or if you hear Syrians or Lebanese, all the Arabs all throughout the Arab world. There are 27 Arab nations. Those are all would all claim allegiance through Abraham, through Ishmael. And all the Jews would claim allegiance through Abraham, through Isaac, their related blood family. And so you have this conflict going on that has been going on for thousands of years. 
And we see it playing out all the time. Now, remember, God said to Abraham, I'm going to make your nation great. I'm going to make your nation great through your son, Isaac, your son of promise. And, and as you can imagine, anytime God declares something good over somebody, there's going to be haters. There's going to be a spiritual response. God declares something over your life. Even when you say, I'm going to do something, there's going to be a spiritual response to frustrate you. So there is a covenant nation conflict. There is constant conflict. And when I went there, I saw how confusing, complicated that area of land and where God said he is going to actually come back to is. Ephesians 6, 12 to 13, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. When you and I are in spiritual conflict with people, we have to realize that whenever we're in conflict with people, any kind of conflict, you have to realize it's spiritual. How many of y'all got an issue with any person in your life that you have a, you're having an issue with conflict, tension or whatever? It is not flesh and blood. It's spiritual. Now, it's expressed through attitude. It's expressed through vain imaginations. Oh, they said this. They're thinking this. They're going to do this to me. It's expressed through all kinds of conniving and, and perception. But at the end of the day, we are spiritual beings and we are influenced spiritually. That same thing is on a global level. It's on a national level. And that's what we're watching here. It is the attempt to destroy the people of God. Matter of fact, Hamas's statement is that they want to destroy Israel. Hezbollah wants to destroy Israel. They want to destroy Iran, death to, to America as well. It's a spiritual battle. And we have to fight that spiritual battle from a spiritual perspective with prayer. Can I get amen? Praying that God would intervene and bring people together because God loves those people just as much as he loves us. Versus taking a side on this side or this side, say, God, I want to take your side. Tell me how I can pray. Tell me how I can love. Tell me how I can share the truth. But we have to understand what the truth is. Is that God, the God of the Bible is our foundation. He is the rock upon which we stand. So I want to share with you a picture of Israel surrounded by her cousins. I want you to look at this picture. So if you look at the green, the green are all Muslim nations and there are 27 Arab Muslim nations and that little white thing in the middle is Israel. Now, the green are the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac are in that white little spot. Next slide. I wanna share with you um, some things about Israel that shocked me just to give you perspective, not to just to give you perspective, however it impacts you. So Israel's in the yellow. Israel has about 10 million people and 20% or 2 million of those, uh, 10 million uh, um, citizens. And about 2 million of those are Palestinians. And so about 20% of the population are Palestinians, which we would say are Arabs that live in Palestine. Uh, of that, that's all in the yellow. In their government, they have, which shocked me, an Arab-Palestinian judge on their Supreme Court. In their government, they have 14, I think 20% of their parliament are Palestinian Arabs, Muslims. 
it is more, was more to me diverse than I ever thought existed. They have, if you are an Israeli citizen, you have to serve in the IDF, the government, the, excuse me, the military, and pay taxes. But yet they have Orthodox Jews who do not pay taxes, and they're paid to study the Bible. And they don't have to go into the military. And so you have conflict between them as well. You have um, people who live in different settlements. So you have, if you put the picture back up, I'm sorry, put the picture back up. So if you have the West Bank, we went to the West Bank. Bethlehem is the place where Jesus was born. Bethlehem is a Palestinian authority area. In other words, when you go there, there's a sign that says if you're an Israeli, you, you can't come here, your life will be in danger. So we went there to Bethlehem to see the birthplace of Jesus, and it was a Palestinian uh, neighborhood, and the law in that neighborhood is that you have to uh, be a Christian. So I'm thinking, okay, so I'm in a Palestinian neighborhood of Muslims. It's 80% Muslim, 20% Christian, and the Palestinians are either Christian or Muslim. Please don't ever categorize Palestinians as terrorists either. They're people just like you and I. So be very careful not to categorize them as well. Hamas does not represent all Palestinians. And so we went there. I'm thinking, I'm talking to the mayor and he's saying, yes, we have to have a Palestinian mayor here. I mean, a, 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 a Christian mayor. And so we went to uh, um, uh, uh, um, Bethlehem in the West Bank, which is a Palestinian area. So you have Israel, and then you have Palestinian area, and then you have Gaza. Gaza was a Palestinian area, but now Hamas controls Gaza. We did not go there. The old city in Jerusalem, if you've ever been to, heard about the old city, you'll see the Dome of the Rock. The old city in the middle of Jerusalem has about 40,000 people, and about 22,000 of those are Muslim. You have four quarters. You have a Muslim quarter up the right. You have a Jewish quarter. You have an Armenian quarter. And you have a Christian quarter. Now, we're going to show you a video of what it looks like and how, how compact it is and how connected these people are. This is us walking through the old city. It is just a maze of hallways, I mean, alleys like that, and you walk from one neighborhood to the other. You're walking through the Muslim quarter, and it's all Muslims, and then you walk through uh, the Christian quarter, the Jewish quarter, and it is all these people together. Why am I telling you this? Because when you go there and you see all these different kinds of people living together that we are told hate each other, and they're living together, doing business together, going to school together, and, and praying right next to each other. Matter of fact, if you look at the next video, this is, this is amazing to me. So this next picture is the old city. It is the wall, the Wailing Wall. Now, a little history. This wall, that wall is a retaining wall for a thing called the, the, um, the, 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 the Mount, the Temple Mount. On the Temple Mount is where the first temple was built by Solomon. It was torn down. It was where the second temple was built by Herod, torn down. And now there is a, the gold dome is a, uh, uh, a Muslim shrine. And all, underneath that dome is a rock. And that rock is supposedly the place where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. 
It is also the rock that the Muslims claim Abraham was going to sacrifice Ishmael. It's also the rock upon from which Muhammad ascended into heaven and received from Allah the direction to pray five times a day and then came back down to heaven. Now, can you imagine the conflict of that rock? <laughs> are y'all following, following what I'm saying? That rock is on top of the dome where the two temples that Israel built was. And it is where the third temple is supposed to be built. Well, how are they going to remove that and build a temple to, the, to Israel? It is complicated. If you go back one slide, and then we got to pray. If you go back one slide, the, this is the wall. The wall is holding that up. The Jews pray at this wall every day, 24 hours a day. I went to that wall and pray. They're praying at this side of the wall because they believe this is the side of the wall that was closest to the Holy of Holies on top of the mount when the temple was there. So Jews are praying at a wall thinking in, in, in dedication to, the, to what the wall was and what's going to happen on top of the wall and where the Holy of Holies and their temple was when now it is a completely controlled by Islam. And Islam controls that whole temple mount. It is complicated. And when you go there and you walk around and you see all, and I'm just giving the tip of the iceberg, you say, dear God, just please come. And it is very, you, we need to be very careful that we watch CNN or Fox or whatever, that we just say, Lord, I'm hearing what they're saying, but I just need to trust you. And I, I, I just need to look to you and I need to pray for our country. Come on now. And even when I was preparing, I mean, I had brain fog for, um, you know, all week and it was hard for me to prepare. And I was like, Lord, please let me say the right thing. And my hope is that what you got out of today was that you need to pray. And, and, and that it's way more complicated and there's so much history, so many different treaties, so many different wars, so many different, and, and, and no, I'm not gonna just blindly agree to support whatever anybody does in this war. I am going to trust God and I'm gonna pray that as few people get killed as possible and somehow there can be peace and a ceasefire and somehow they can figure this out without all these people dying. And, amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. The band's going to come out. We're going to spend a few minutes praying with all the different um, campuses because at the end of the day, we need to do that. If you know somebody from Israel or that's Jewish, call them up and pray for them. If you know someone from Palestine or is Muslim, call them up and pray for them. Call them up and say, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for peace on earth. God, I'll say this last thing. God is coming back to Mount of Olives, which is a hill just across the valley from the Temple Mount. Jesus is coming back there. And he's going to set up shop in Jerusalem. So all the fighting and all the governmental things and treaties, it's cool. Go ahead, do what you're going to do. But what we need to know is that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. And that God has set that city and that's what it is. The devil wants to sow as many seeds of confusion and conflict as possible. But at the end of the day, God is coming back. That's what you need to know. 
And that's what you need to stand on. So we're going to put up five topics and we're going to pray through these briefly. And then we're going to sing a song together. If we could put those on the screen. We're going to pray for Jewish communities, Palestinian communities, world leaders, pastors, Christians, and families impacted. So I just want you, we're just going to take three minutes to do this. If you could turn to the person next to you, and if you're alone, don't know anybody, just bow your head. When we were in Israel, the most impactful things we did was pray and worship. God showed up the most powerful when we prayed and worship. So just for 30 seconds or so, and I'll, I'll, I'll time you, just pray for the Jewish communities. Anything you want, mercy, comfort, just pray that out loud with the person next to you. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and do that. Now just spend some time praying for the Palestinian families. Pray for world leaders, for wisdom and courage and boldness to do the right thing, to hear God. Let's pray for pastors as they lead their flock and congregations to encourage them and give them right perspective. Now pray for yourself to have, be bold in sharing the gospel. We must share the gospel and the love of the gospel. Now share, pray for the families that are impacted all over, even indirectly. People who are just grieving watching little kids die.
all the campuses together. We're going to sing together. I, um, when we were in Israel, we were there 10 days, and we had about five God moments. And every single one of them, except the one we were outside underneath the thunder, we were on a mountain, and God just spoke to us through the thunder. But everyone was, came through worship and through us praying. And so we're just going to sing a song, all the campuses together, and at the end we're going to say amen. Amen. I just wonder what would happen if we postured ourselves like this together all around our campuses and we just sing the highest praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. today sing it out even when sing even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working we sing he's a way maker because we believe Waymaker, miracle worker, promised light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Lift your voice and believe. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Sing, that is who you are. Sing. 
church I thank you for calling it into existence I thank you for the purpose you have given us to share the gospel with San Diego I pray that you stir our hearts as foundations are being shaken and help us to understand the only real secure thing we have is a relationship with Jesus Christ the only real secure thing we have is your love and, and your patience and your calling and purpose on our life and I pray you guard us from being dragged into things that are not the gospel, that distract us from sharing the gospel, and that you empower us and anoint us to be lights in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on, church.